This is a recording of Questioning the Comma in verse 13 of the Word of Wisdom by A. Jane Birch, originally published in Interpreter, a Journal of Mormon Scripture, Volume 10, 2014, pages 133 through 149, read by Scott Dunaway. This audio recording is copyrighted under a Creative Commons license and may freely be distributed if it remains unchanged, the journal and its website are credited, and is for non-commercial use. A printed version of this and many other articles and resources on Mormon Scripture can be found at mormoninterpreter.com. Abstract The 1921 edition of the Doctrine and Covenants included an additional comma, which was inserted after the word, quote, used, end quote, in Doctrine and Covenants 89, verse 13, quote, And it is pleasing unto me that they should not be used only in times of winter, or of cold, or famine, end quote. Later authors have speculated that the addition of the comma was a mistake that fundamentally changed the meaning of the verse. This article examines the, this, quote, errant comma theory, end quote, and demonstrates why this particular interpretation of Doctrine and Covenants 89, verse 13, is without merit. In 1921, a committee of five apostles who had recently completed a new edition of the Book of Mormon began preparing a new edition of the Doctrine and Covenants, D&C. Elder James E. Talmage, a member of the committee, noted that previous editions of the DNC contained, quote, many errors by way of omission, end quote. The most significant change in this new edition was the removal of the lectures on faith, but the committee also expanded the headnotes, revised the footnotes, and divided the pages into double columns. Numerous smaller changes were also made, as one of the many changes published in the revised 1921 edition, a new comma appeared in verse 13 of section 89, also known as the Word of Wisdom. This comma was inserted between the words used and only, quote, Yea, flesh also of beasts and of the fowls of the air, I the Lord have ordained for the use of man with thanksgiving. Nevertheless, they are to be used sparingly. And, is, and it is pleasing unto me that they should not be used only in times of winter, or of cold, or famine. D&C 89, verses 12 to 13, quote. In this detailed analysis of the textual changes throughout the history of the D&C, Robert J. Woodford relates the following interesting story. Quote, it, the comma, was never found in any text prior to the 1921 edition of the DNC. According to T. Edgar Lyon, prominent LDS historian and educator, Apostle Joseph Fielding Smith, when shown this edition to the text, said, quote, Who put that in there? End quote. This is a significant statement, since Elder Smith served on the committee to publish that edition of the DNC. Thus, the comma may have been inserted by the printer and has been retained ever since. End quote. This story su supports what has become a very popular interpretation of verse 13, namely, that the inserted comma is a mistake that reverses the meaning of the text and that the true meaning is understood only with the errant comma removed. 
This interpretation suggests that the Lord is instructing us that we should not confine ourselves to eating meat, only in times of winter, cold, and famine, implying that meat should be eaten at all other times as well. Not only is this particular interpretation of verse 13 found on numerous websites, but I am aware of at least a few BYU professors who rely on this interpretation in explaining this verse to students. It is also included in a number of DNC commentaries written by LDS scholars. The following is an example from James W. McConkie's 2010 DNC commentary. Quote, Sometimes the addition or deletion of a comma makes very little or no difference. However, in this case, the use of a comma completely changes the meaning. Without the comma after the word used, in verse 13, the revelation recommends the use of meat year-round. The placement of a comma prohibits the use of meat altogether, except in times of winter or of cold or famine." End quote. McConkie goes on to suggest that not only is the comma a mistake, but that it, quote, could very well be removed, end quote, in a future edition of the book. Notwithstanding the popularity of this explanation and the absence of an official interpretation of verse 13, I believe that this particular reading of the text is without merit. Below, I will summarize the reasons why, of all possible explanations of this verse, this one is not a worthy contender. Use of DNC 8913 before and after 1921. The theory that the added comma is problematic rests on the assumption that adding the comma changes the meaning of the text. Those who support this theory assert that the original and true meaning of the verse is clear once the comma is removed. The Lord is not pleased when we use the flesh of beasts and fowls of the air, meat, only in times of winter or of cold or of famine. The implication is that it pleases him if we use meat at other times as well. While it is true that the comma did not appear in this verse until 1921, it is equally clear that the way the text was read without the comma in the decades before 1921 was identical to the way the text is read today with the addition of the comma. In other words, adding the comma did not change the way the text was read. In fact, Latter-day Saints who were adult members of the church in 1921 did not remark on any change of the meeting with the addition of the comma. The assertion that the text could be read differently without the comma is a much later idea dating back to about the 1960s. The following are examples of the way DNC 8913 was read before 1921. A. In 1842, Hiram Smith was patriarch to the church. At the time, he gave a lengthy sermon on the word of wisdom. He states, quote, Let men attend to these instructions. Let them use the things ordained of God, let them be sparing of the life of animals. It is pleasing, saith the Lord, that flesh be used only in times of winter or of famine. And why to be used in famine? Because all domesticated animals would naturally die, and may as well be made use of by man as not. End quote. B. In John Jacques' popular 1854 Catechism for Children, Mormon youth are asked, Why should flesh be eaten by man in winter and in times of famine and not at other times? They are instructed, quote, 
Flesh is heating to the human system. Therefore it is not good to eat flesh in summer. But God allows his people to eat it in winter and in times of famine, because all animals suffer death naturally if they do not by the hand of man. End quote. C. In 1857, Apostle Heber C. Kimball said, quote, In a revelation which God gave to Joseph Smith, he says, It is not pleasing in my sight for man to shed blood of beasts or of fowls except in times of excess of hunger and famine. Go and read it for yourselves. End quote. D. In 1868, President Brigham Young counseled, quote, Flesh should be used sparingly, in famine and in cold. End quote. E. In 1868, Apostle George Q. Cannon said, quote, We are told that flesh of any kind is not suitable to man in the summertime, and ought to be eaten sparingly in the winter. End quote. F. In 1895, Apostle Lorenzo Snow, then president of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles, stated, quote, Unless famine or extreme cold is upon us, we should refrain from the use of meat. End quote. There is no evidence for the idea that before 1921 any of the literate, well read church leaders or church members read DNC 8913 in the way later supporters of the errant comma theory suggest the text should have been read without the comma. Further, after the comma was inserted in 1921, no one noticed that the addition of the comma made their previous reading of the text problematic. Church members continued to interpret verse 13 the way they had before, including those who were old enough to have noticed the change. No one spoke of the meaning of the text having been changed by the added comma. There are a few examples after 1921. A. Apostle John A. Widso and Leah D. Widso wrote The Word of Wisdom, A Modern Interpretation. Elder Widso, born in 1872, became an apostle in 1921, the same year the comma was added. In the original 1937 edition of this book, and also in the revised 1950 edition, they wrote, quote, The Word of Wisdom deals only with grains, fruits, vegetables, nature's products, and with meat to be used sparingly in cold or famine. End quote. B. Apostle Joseph F. Merrill, born in 1868, would have been 53 years old when the comma was added. In a general conference address on the Word of Wisdom, he emphasized the importance of not eating meat as freely as many Americans are doing, and stated, quoting, quoting from a book, quote, under conditions of extreme exposure to, to cold, the heat from consuming excess protein and meat might be of service. On the other hand, in case of fever and in hot weather, the heat excess induced by too much protein may do great harm. Now I read again the words of the revelation to the prophet. They, meats, are to be used sparingly, and it is pleasing unto me that they should not be used only in times of winter or of cold or famine. End quote. DNC eighty nine twelve to thirteen. C. President George Albert Smith, born in eighteen seventy, was fifty one years old in nineteen twenty one. President Smith was apparently careful about his consumption of meat. In the 1950 improvement era devoted to honoring his 80th birthday, his son-in-law reported, quote, President Smith's meals are simple, 
and nourishing. In the summer he eats no meat, and in, even in the winter months he eats very little. End quote. Why was the comma added? If the inserted comma did not change the way the text was read, why was it added? While there is no definitive evidence of who inserted the comma and for what purpose, there are only two ways the comma could have got into that verse. Either it was added intentionally or by mistake. If it was added intentionally, Apostle James E. Talmage is the person most likely to have inserted this comma, and he is the person most often cited as being responsible for it. Because of his attention to detail, the editing of a scriptural text was often entrusted to him. The manuscript containing the revisions for the 1920 Book of Mormon are all in his hand. Of the hundreds of punctuation changes made to the 1920 Book of Mormon edition, all of them came from Talmage, and none was due to a typesetting error. As Talmage was also on the same committee when they revised the D&C in 1921, it is likely he directed the punctuation changes in that edition as well, including inserting the comma into 8913. Whether or not it was Apostle Talmage, if the comma was added intentionally, it was undoubtedly done by, or under the direction of, one or more of the original committee members assigned to the task, though, though apparently without the knowledge of Joseph Fielding Smith, if we assume Woodford's telling of the story is correct. If we take Woodford's story at face value, Elder Smith had not seen the comma before it was shown to him. But this is not evidence that the comma was put in by the printer, or even evidence that it was put in by mistake. It is not even evidence that Elder Smith believed the comma changed the meaning of the text, especially if given that he himself wrote the following in his 1947 commentary on the Word of Wisdom. Quote, Neither is it the intent of this revelation to include grains and fruits to the restriction placed upon meats, that they should be used only in famine or excess of hunger. End quote. Without definitive records explaining the change, what can we know about why it may have been added? Modern linguists can provide a significant clue. LDS linguistic scholar Royal Skousen explains how the natural evolution of language can cause problems for our understanding and interpretation of certain verses. Quote, a number of passages from the scriptures have caused misunderstanding and confusion. In each of these passages, the source of the difficulty has been the language of the passage itself. Sometimes archaic words or changes in word meaning cause misunderstanding. Much of our confusion over these passages can be resolved when we seek to determine what the words in the scriptures originally meant. Quote. One of the examples Skousen uses is the word only in D&C 8913. He explains how the meaning of the word only changed over time, making it useful for the comma to be added so that modern readers would not misunderstand the verse. Skousen writes, quote, Now let us turn to a couple of examples from the Doctrine and Covenants. First, consider the use of the word only in that part of the word of wisdom that deals with eating meat. Yea, flesh also of beasts and of the fowls of the air, I, the Lord, have ordained for the use of man with thanksgiving. Nevertheless, they are to be used sparingly, and it is pleasing unto me that they should not be used only in times of winter, or of cold, or famine. D&C 89, 12-13, 1921, and 1981 editions. In editions prior to 1921, the comma before only was missing. 
and it is pleasing unto me that they would that they should not be used only in times of winter or of cold or famine 1879 edition a reader might interpret this as meaning that meat could be used at any time not only in times of winter cold or famine of course the real problem here is in the meaning of only in the last century the word only very often had the meaning except for example the oxford english dictionary quotes for quotes a use of only that undoubtedly means except quote, for many years the following notice was painted up at bolton railway station do not cross the line only by the bridge end quote. clearly this is the appropriate sense of only in this verse from section eighty nine James E. Talmage put the comma in the 1921 edition, but not in order to change the meaning of only. Instead, the meaning of only had changed, and the comma was put in so that the modern reader could read the verse and still get out its original meaning. End quote. In fact, there are many other examples throughout the scriptures where the word only means except. According to Skousen, quote, there are at least ten clear instances of only with the meaning except in the Book of Mormon text. The 1830 typesetter put a comma before seven of the ten, but for the three instances he missed, the need to put the comma. End quote. The following are two examples from D&C 121, where the word only appear clearly means except. Note that the first example does not include a clarifying comma. Quote, that the rights of the priesthood are inseparably connected with the powers of heaven, and that the powers of heaven cannot be controlled nor handled only upon the principles of righteousness. D&C 121, verse 36. No power or influence can or ought to be maintained by virtue of the priesthood. Only by persuasion, by long-suffering, by gentleness and meekness, and by love unfeigned. D&C 121, verse 41. End quote. Because there is no comma before the word only in verse 36, could we interpret it to mean that the powers of heaven can be controlled and handled on principles other than righteousness? Do we need some principles of unrighteousness to assist the priesthood? Clearly, this does not make good sense, so we simply understand the word only to mean except. In the second example, a comma comes before the word only. But even if we discovered that this comma was absent from the verse before 1921, no one would assert that the original meaning of this scripture was that such principles as persuasion, long-suffering, and love unfeigned are somehow insufficient to maintain the power of the priesthood. We would not be arguing that the addition of the comma reversed the meaning of the text. We'd simply interpret the word only to mean except. Greater Internal Consistency Looking at verse 13 from a different angle, another reason cited for discounting the errant comma theory is that the addition of the comma creates greater internal consistency in D&C 89. As Stephen Robinson and Dean Garrett note, quote, The difficulty in verse 13 lies in the comma following the word used. Depending on the presence or absence of this comma, contradictory meanings may be ascribed to the text. Between 1833 and 1921, there was no comma in the text at this point in the Revelation. The comma was first inserted in the Revelation in, 19, in the 1921 edition of the Doctrine and Covenants. 
However, insertion of the comma brings verse 13 into agreement with the clear sense and intent of verses 12 and 15, and without it these would seem to contradict verse 13. This explanation is especially interesting in the light of the, f- the fact that internal consistency is the most cited reason for asserting that the comma is a mistake. This following example from McConkie's DNC commentary is an example of this reasoning. Quote, the placement of the comma in section 89 is consistent with some of the other revelations Joseph received. For example, in section 49 the Lord explicitly states that a person who forbiddeth to abstain from meats is not of God. DNC 49.18. Furthermore, meat is ordained for the use of man for food and for raiment and that he might not and that he might have in abundance dnc 49:19 timothy in the new testament also warns that in the last days some not of god will forbid eating meat quote, which god hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth end quote. 1 timothy chapter 4 verse 3 The assertion that the meaning of verse 13 with the added comma is in conflict with other scriptures is a matter of interpretation. The meaning of DNC 89 with the inserted comma does not forbid the use of meat. Rather, it seems to say that meat is ordained for the use of man, but it is to be used sparingly only in times of winter, cold, or famine. No changes to DNC 89.13 after 1921. Just as significantly, the punctuation in verse 13 has not been altered since 1921, not even during the major revision of the DNC done in 1981, when many changes were made and the footnotes were completely updated. Apparently, this was not an oversight, as verse 13 was specifically reviewed by the First Presidency in the Quorum of the Twelve, who, after asking Elder Bruce R. McConkie to research the matter, Quote, decided that the comma as it now stands was in the proper place and should not be removed. End quote. Here is the complete account as it appears in a biography of Bruce R. McConkie. Quote, the brethren carefully examined the revelations in the Doctrine and Covenants for printing errors and mistakes, including details as small as the placement of a comma. For example, during the committee's work on the Doctrine and Covenants, the subject of the comma in section 89, verse 13, came up for discussion. The presence, or lack thereof, of the comma between the words used and only can drastically change the meaning of the verse. Earlier publications of the Church which contained this verse were ambiguous, as some included the comma and others did not. Elder McConkie said that the subject had been discussed by the First Presidency and the Twelve a year or two earlier. At that time they asked Elder McConkie to research the subject, which he did. His findings were then approved, and it was decided that the comma, as it now stands, was in the proper place and should not be removed. Therefore the Scriptures Publications Committee did not take any further action. Elders Monson and Packer, both of whom were at this meeting, concurred with the decision to leave it as is. Finally, it seems wise to base our interpretation of verse 13 on the current edition of the scriptures, especially in light of the fact that there is no evidence to suggest the alternative errant comma interpretation warrants merit. As Robinson and Garrett note in their 2004 DNC commentary, quote, 
Since 1921, several different first presidencies have had the opportunity to correct the reading of verse 13 in subsequent editions of the Doctrine and Covenants and have specifically declined to do so. At present, given our firm conviction in continuing revelation, we need to follow the reading of the most recent edition. There is no commandment or constraint on this issue, and church leaders seem to seem content to let the saints apply the principle as stated here individually as guided by the Spirit. End quote. Robert Woodford, who in 1974 has suggested the comma was a printing error, conceded in 1979 that we should quote, accept the verse DNC 89:13 as written. End quote. He still held to the view that the comma reverses the meaning of the verse, but noted quote, in actuality, most Latter-day Saints' lifestyle is lived as though the comma were not there. End quote. Historical Interpretations of D&C 89.13 If the errant comma theory is not plausible, what does D&C 89.13 mean? To date, there is no consensus of opinion. In fact, during the last eight decades, the number of interpretations has multiplied. This is in contrast to the first 100 years after 1833, when there actually was a consensus on the meaning of this verse among Latter-day Saints who addressed the issue. It was a literalist interpretation that took the verse at face value. It is pleasing to God if we do not use the flesh of beasts or fowls of the air, except in times of winter, cold, or famine. The standard interpretation of D&C 89.13 during the first 100 years did not have a widespread impact on the dietary practices of the saints during the time. But this is not because the saints found this verse too ambiguous. The fact is, many saints had a difficult time abiding by even the clearest counsel found in the Word of Wisdom. After the revelation was given in 1833, there were saints who promoted abstinence from alcohol, tobacco, coffee, and tea as the official standard for keeping the word of wisdom. But the clarity of a standard of abstinence is quantitatively easier to understand and assess as compared to admonitions to use wholesome plants with, quote, prudence and thanksgiving, end quote, make grain the, quote, staff of life, end quote, or eat meat, quote, sparingly, and only in times of winter, or of cold, or famine, end quote. Even so, the process of lifting the general church membership to even the basic standard of abstinence from alcohol, tobacco, coffee, and tea took almost a hundred years, and even now, 181 years later, the task is not complete. LDS church leaders are still working to help the saints become fully obedient to this basic standard, even though the council in section 89 was specifically, quote, adapted to the capacity of the weak and the weakest of all saints, end quote, D&C 89, verse 3. Because church leaders have never made verses 12 to 17 of section 89 part of the standard for church worthiness, discussion of these verses has not played as prominent a role in the word of wisdom literature. This is particularly true of verse 13. In fact, Latter-day Saints who have addressed the word of wisdom during the last decades have been more likely to emphasize the fact that meat is, quote, ordained of God, end quote, and, quote, not forbidden, end quote, than to suggest that Latter-day Saints should curtail their consumption much less forego it other than in times of winter, cold, or famine. 
It may be because of a disconnect between a straightforward reading of verse 13 and the dietary practices of the LDS people that alternative interpretations of verse 13 have flourished. Like the errant comma theory, most of the explanations of verse 13 before and after 1921 have been asserted without much evidence and have subsequently never been carefully analyzed for veracity. While it is clear that the meaning of D&C 8913 is not critical to keeping the word of wisdom in terms of the worthiness standard of the church, it may be of value to anyone who wants to better understand the word of wisdom, as well as to those who hope to claim the full measure of the promises contained therein for those who, quote, remember to keep and do these sayings, end quote, D&C 89, verse 18. This has been a recording of Questioning the Comma in Verse 13 of the Word of Wisdom by A. Jane Birch, originally published in Interpreter, a Journal of Mormon Scripture, Volume 10, 2014, pages 133 through 149. Read by Scott Dunaway. A printed version of this and many other articles and resources on Mormon Scripture can be found at mormoninterpreter.com.